Welcome to the Semper Reformato podcast, spreading the word and contending for the faith. In Matthew 18, verses 21 to 35, Jesus instructs his disciples about forgiveness, about the overwhelming greatness of Christ's forgiveness freely given to us, and our response in forgiving others. Such is the Christian experience of forgiveness. I'm Bob McAvoy, and this is the Semper Reformata Podcast. If you've read the Heidelberg Catechism, you'll know that it falls into three distinct sections. We talk about guilt and grace and gratitude. The guilt of the sinner. The premise is that if we understand how great is our burden of debt and sin and guilt and how great would be the punishment for that. And if we then come to realize how much it cost our Savior to bear all of our sins away for us upon the cross that we will then willingly, made willing by God, respond to that with heartfelt gratitude. We will repent of our sins. We will believe and trust in Christ. We will bear the fruits of repentance in our lives. And one of those fruits of repentance is to offer the same forgiveness to others who have sinned against us as the Lord Jesus has already given us. I have a sort of a feeling that in some cases this passage of Scripture should be preached frequently in Christian assemblies. What we need among believers is more forgiveness. After all, there is no more sacrificial love than the love of Jesus. Jesus said, Greater love hath no man than this, than that a man lay down his life for his friends. In John 15 and verse 13. The Apostle Paul added to that. He said, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The amazing, overwhelming love of God for sinners. And for Christians, the appreciation of that love, the reception of that sacrificial love must have some kind of a profound effect on our lives. We ought to begin to love others as Christ has loved us, to forgive others as Christ has forgiven us. Didn't Jesus teach us that when we pray, we are to say, forgive us our debts or forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So we're going to look at this lesson that Jesus taught, this statement of truth. Then we're going to see how that practically applies to us 
to Christians and then to unbelievers. The lesson Jesus taught here is prompted by Peter. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him till seven times. Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. How often should we forgive someone who sins against us? Remember all the way through this passage, we've been talking about Christians who offend against one another. We've been talking and learning about church discipline. We've been learning about what it would mean for believers who cause other believers to stumble. We're talking about how we are to avoid falling into temptation. All through the passage, it has been a whole long teaching block about how relationships within the body of Christ are to be carried out. What the sanctions are. So we have a brother who sins against us. So how many times then should we be prepared to forgive him? Seven times? Jesus said no, until 70 times seven. There's the principle stated. Now he's going to elaborate on that. So he begins to teach a parable. He talks about a king who wanted to settle up his accounts. So he calls in one of his servants, a man who owes him 10,000 talents. I don't know what 10,000 talents was, but a young minister told me a few weeks ago that it was a debt that no man could ever pay. That it was a debt that was so much that you could never, even in a lifetime of highly paid work, you could actually never pay it off. So this man was so heavily in debt that the only thing that could happen to him would be that he would be sold into slavery along with his wife and his children and his house and his possessions would be sold to make some payment of his debt. He was in a dire situation. He had an unpayable, unforgivable debt. And everything would be taken from him. The consequences of his debt were so enormous that he would lose everything. There's only one thing he can do. And he did it. He dropped to his knees before the king. And he pleaded for mercy. And he asked for time to pay. And the king was so moved with pity for the man that he set him free. And at the stroke of a pen, he forgave him all of his debt. Imagine what that must have been like. Imagine if you had been the man who walked into the palace that morning with this unplayable debt, knowing that the future for you was absolutely the most bleak future that there could ever be. And you walked out free, pardoned, with all that burden lifted off you. The awful cloud of debt was gone. His life would totally change. 
He'd have a new beginning, a new start. Everything would be different from this day on. He could go back to his wife and he could say the threat that's hanging over us, it has been lifted. And she would say, how did you manage to do that? Did you persuade the king? What did you do? And he would have to say, no, I did nothing at all. All I did was cry out for help and plead for mercy. And the king willingly forgave me. Set free from his debt, he can wander the streets again. Imagine if you were in so much debt that the officers of the law, the kings, the bailiffs, the king's men were always looking for you. But now he could go out and walk and he walks and he meets another servant. A man who owed just a tiny amount of money, a hundred denarii, some pence, some pence, um, it tells us here the same servant, verse 28, went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him an hundred pence. In our terms, that would be a pound. Of course, it wouldn't be that. It would be in biblical days. But I want you to see how small that would be. The first servant who had been forgiven much grabbed him took him by the throat, and he said to him, pay me what you owe me, demanded repayment. The man begged for time to pay, but the first servant, the man who had been forgiven so much, he took him and he imprisoned him until the debt was paid. Here it is. It says in verse 29, that the fellow servant fell down at his feet, the same situation, and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not. And he went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. It's amazing how news travels fast, isn't it? It wasn't too long till the king found out. And the king called the forgiven servant to come to him. And he said in verse 32, O thy wicked servant, I forgive thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldst not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant? The Bible records that he delivered him up says here in the scriptures to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due. That would never be the case. He could never pay it. He was lost. King was angry. And Jesus sums the story up by saying, Likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. And again, here in this chapter, throughout it, there are sanctions that follow all of these Christian misdemeanors, all of these failures. The breaking of the law. In verse 9, for example, we're told if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. The principles stated 
when we have been forgiven and the burden of debt that was so heavy upon us was lifted at Calvary. It is now our responsibility as Christians to offer and extend that same forgiveness to those who sin against us. Let's consider that for a moment. Learning lessons about the relationship between God and us is important. As sinners, we're deeply in debt to God. Um, the king was owed a great deal of money. Bible doesn't tell us how he got into such debt. It was a whole lifetime of debt. For you and I, it would never be paid off. And yet for each one of us as sinners, we too are in debt to God. You might say, why so? How could I be in debt to God? What would I owe him? Sure, I'm a self-made man. I haven't done anything that should bring me into debt to God. But we're in debt to God simply because he created us. He made us and we're his. We owe our very existence to him. There's the word owe. We're in debt. We owe our very existence to God. There's no such thing as a self-made man. We are what we are only because God created us and because he has been gracious to us. The psalmist said, Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. God created us. And because he has created, he created us, we owe our very lives to him. But there's another reason why we're in debt to God. And that's because even though he created us, we've turned our backs on him. You see, science is trying to always work out how we were created, how the universe came into being. They can't ever answer the question, why did the universe come into being? Even though they can't answer the other question either. And the reason is, of course, that God made us for a purpose. He made us for the purpose of living an obedient, God-honored relationship with him. So the shorter catechism begins. What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. But because we've inherited our sinful nature from Adam, we no longer glorify him. We're in enmity to God. He has shown us love. He has created us. He has provided for us. He has given us on this earth enough food and water and sustenance for every single human being that ever lived. And we have taken it and we have corrupted it through our sin. And we have turned our backs on him. He's shown us love, but we do not show love for him. He's shown us justice. We do not demonstrate that justice to others. He's shown us mercy. We do not show mercy to others. As sinners, we put ourselves first. And every time we do that, we sin. And every time we sin, we become more and more in debt. Our debt mounts up. We owe God because he created us. 
We are in debt to him because we have rejected him and his purpose for our lives. We are in debt to God because we stand condemned already before him. Like the servant before the king that day, we are unable to pay our debt. We are indebted to God because he made us, because we turned our backs on him, and because we turned our backs on him, we stand condemned before him, unable to pay the debt that we owe. And yet look at the nature of the king here. For this tells us much about the nature of God. Tells us that God is a God who takes account of his servants. That he is a king who rules justly. But that he is also a king who is loving and forgiving and compassionate. A king who is utterly consumed with love and kindness. So much so that he forgives enormous debts. Consider the servant. Who realized that he could do nothing. To spare or save himself from the dreadful risk of punishment who knew that his case was entirely hopeless who knew that the day had come that there was an appointed day when he would come and give account of his debts before the king the king would one day be his judge and see what he did he dropped to his knees in humility and he admitted his need he confessed his burdens and his sins and he cried out for help and for mercy it tells us here that the king was moved with compassion Verse 27, we have a God who is a compassionate God. Whosoever believeth in the name of the Lord shall be saved. Those who come and cry out unto the Lord for mercy, he'll never turn them away. Come as a sinner and bow the knee repent of our sins and cry out to God Lord my burden is too great for me to bear I cannot bear it I will one day be punished for it and it's my own fault and I can do nothing to prevent this from happening to me oh God have mercy on me the king has compassion on sinners He released him and he forgave him. You see the application of Jesus' story for us. All this debt of sin, all this burden, we'd lift it from us through Christ's death on the cross who took all of our sins. And what about others? As we come to the end of this chapter when we are forgiven we must forgive others because of the debt that's been lifted from us the size of the burden that we owed we are to go on forgiving it's a prerequisite for church fellowship because this passage has been about the church hasn't it 
And of course, ultimately in verse 35, if we do not forgive others from our hearts, it will be to our spiritual detriment. We must forgive others as greatly as Christ has forgiven us. Listen to Paul's sound admonition to the Christians at Ephesus. He says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Thanks for listening to the podcast. The Semper Reformata podcast began during the first UK national lockdown early in 2020 when church services were moved online. It became apparent at that time that a large number of elderly Christian believers who did not have computers or internet access were missing out on regular Bible teaching and encouragement. I offered to post a free CD to those who requested one containing a short Bible message and a catechism class. Easy Introductions to Reformed Doctrine, using the Heidelberg Catechism as the basis of those lessons. Later I moved these short messages online, and the Semper Reformata podcast was born. The podcast is now available on most of the popular platforms, but the weekly CDs are still provided free of charge to elderly listeners in Northern Ireland. You can help with this simple ministry too. Each CD and postage costs around £2. $2.75. To help with the cost, you can go to the link in the podcast notes, www.saltyscrivener.uk, and you'll find a friendly Buy Me a Coffee button. I promise you that if you buy me a coffee, I'll pay for the coffee myself, and I'll put your contribution towards the cost of CDs for senior people. Thanks for your help. I know it will be appreciated.